Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to, I want to uh, thank uh, everyone for giving me the opportunity to stand up here tonight. Um, like I always do, I'm very appreciative of your trust. I'm very appreciative of the faith that it takes to put in someone to let them stand before you and, and, ex- and express the word of the Lord, to break the bread of truth. And I don't take that lightly, nor should we ever take any of that lightly. And I, I really appreciate the trust that you have in me and the trust that pastor has in me. Thanks, Luke. And, uh, that, that means a lot to me, and I want to give him honor tonight. Hopefully he gets here. Um, running, a, I don't know if you guys ever drove a van in the snow. I drive a van, but I'm not sure I'd want to drive a FedEx truck. My wife got on me a little bit tonight. We were, I waited for her to get off work. We were running a little bit behind, and there was a, a UPS truck over the side, and I was like, oh, what's this guy doing? She's like, well, he's probably trying to do his job. She's probably trying to you know, deliver packages in the snow, trying to get around people's driveways, you know. You should, she, she said, you should have some sympathy. About half your family does it for a living. <laughs> hey, that was a rebuke if I ever heard one. She said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> but I was, after, after she said it, I was like, wow, man, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry. That guy was just trying to do his job. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. <laughs> and today was a little bit different for me. Uh, I kind of got the, I, I took took the day a little easier today. And I've been burning the candle at both ends, been working a lot of hours. And my hands have been bothering me. This morning I woke up and and uh, pastor had texted me and asked me to, try to get something, you know, if I had anything together for tonight. And I had some ideas, you know, but it's always, you want to take some time. So I stayed home today and just communed with the Lord and petted my dog. Amen. And uh, either she's snoring or she's barking most of the day. Somebody say amen. So I'm grateful, though, that I got to spend some time with the Lord today. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start reading at verse 18. says, for ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice that they heard and treated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. It says there that, let's read that again, which voice that they heard and treated that the words should not be spoken to them, them anymore. They didn't want to hear it. Okay. That was too frightening for them. They said, don't, don't speak those words to us again. It says, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dart. Speaking here of, of the time when Moses got the, the law from the Lord on Mount Sinai. And verse 21 says, so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I'd exceedingly fear and quake. Verse 22 says, but ye are come unto Mount Sion. Say Mount Sion. Under the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkling of, uh, through the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. How many knows that Jesus' blood being sprinkled was better even than Abel's sacrifice? Remember Abel's sacrifice, the Lord wanted to, he accepted that right away. But how many knows that Paul says here, that, or the writer of Hebrews says here, that the blood of the sprinkling of Jesus was better than that of Abel. Verse 25 says, see that you refuse him not. Say, refuse him not that speaketh. For if they escaped, not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. Let's read that again. Yet once more, and this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. Somebody say shaken. <clears throat> As of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken, say shaken, may remain. Therefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, say cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for this word, God. We thank you, Lord, for this chance and opportunity to gather together, Lord, and to break the bread of truth. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would impart some wisdom. Lord, impart some word, Lord, to our hearts, Lord, through the, through, through the working of your spirit, Lord, that we may be changed tonight. And God, I pray, Lord, that something that's spoken, Lord, could, could maybe go forth and be planted as a seed, Lord, that may grow into some fruit, Lord, in our lives. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would change us tonight. Somebody say, change us. Change us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you for just a few minutes on the topic, the shaking and the shaken. Now, if you've ever read, read, read Hebrews or studied Hebrews, it's a wonderful book. And uh, I encourage everybody, if you haven't, to do that because there are so many things in there that, that, that just expound so many things, but it, it focuses kind of on the fulfillment that Jesus brought and the superiority of the priesthood of Jesus and the new covenant to the law and the ceremonial priesthood. So he's saying it's all about Jesus being superior, fulfilling the law, uh, the law of Moses that was, that was uh, given uh, in the Old Testament. He came, he, was our, he became the great high priest, he became our sacrifice. How many knows that he is our priest before God at this moment? Somebody say amen. So, he, so reading this, this chapter here, this part of chapter 12, um, it just, I was reading today, just kind of studying along, and this just kind of jumped out at me. Just draws a parallel here between the giving of the law and the coming of Jesus. And verses 18 through 21, we're going to try to study here for a minute, but then I'm going to preach a little bit. You guys mind if I preach a little bit? Amen. This 18 through 21 references the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Now, if we remember back, we can read about it back in Exodus 20. Um, I think there's, there's some references to it in Deuteronomy. Um, but it, it kind of speaks of a dark, a dark foreboding thing that happened. Now, 
the, all the people were down in the, in the camp and the Lord called Moses up to the mountain and there was fire and there was lightning and there was fl- the, ma- the mountain burned and the people were afraid and they were just, they were, they, they were just, you know, cowering in their tents, cowering away from what was going on. And then, you know, the thunder and the lightning and the, just the darkness and the foreboding of what was going on, the sound of a trumpet and voices and things. And they didn't, they didn't, they didn't like it. As a matter of fact, they said, we don't want to ever hear that again. We read it, right? So um, they couldn't even endure what was coming forth, okay? Now, how many, you remember the story? Moses came down off the mountain. He had the, the commandments, but the people had gone off into, into a the little bit of time. He was gone, had gone off into idolatry. He got angry and broke the Ten Commandments, had to go back and get another set. Anybody ever broke something, had to go back to the hardware store and get another one? I, brother, I have many times, many times. But... They couldn't even touch the mountain, okay? Verse 21 says, Moses says, I exceedingly fear and quake. So we understand that through the first part of this reading that we're talking about something that wasn't very happy, okay? And the Bible says that the earth quaked when the law was given, okay? From now, from then on, people understood. It was written down. Moses had written down all that the Lord had spoken. And so people from then on were going to be responsible for knowing, for following this law. Now, how many knows if you studied uh, through the Bible very much that it's very clear that the law was impossible to keep completely, okay? There's no way each way, you know, you know, in order the transgression of the law is sin and any transgression of that law was sin. But how many knows that the Bible says that nobody could keep it, amen? So they, every every year they would go in to do the sacrifices, the sin of atone, or the atonement on the goats. You know, I remember reading about all that. But all of a sudden here in 22, there's this shifting. There's this big change. And it, the, the reading gets a little bit lighter. It gets a, a little bit more joyous, right? Okay, in verses 22, it says, Jesus came, uh, it says, but ye are coming to Mount Zion, okay? You're, you're, you don't have to go to the mountain that's dark and foreboding and, you know, Mount Sinai where the law was given. You couldn't even touch it. You're not going there. You're called unto Mount Zion. You're called unto the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. You're called to the judge, the judge of all. You're called to the spirits of the just men made perfect. You're called to be here. You're called to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. You're called into this new and living way. Somebody say amen. Now, 25, you see. Now, he said, he said, this was how it was. Now, this is how it is. Now, he says, listen up. See that you refuse him not that speaketh. Okay? He says, see that you refuse him not that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape it if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Speaking of the Lord, right? The sh- and then he says, whose voice then shook the earth. Say, shook the earth. Okay? His voice shook the earth. And now he hath promised, saying, yet once more I shall shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Now, I wanna, what I want you to notice here is that there is a shaking that's coming. Okay, there is a shaking that's going to come about that's going to shake the heavens and the earth. How many understand that that he, he, he says that his voice shook the earth. Now it's going to shake the heavens and the earth. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. It says in verse 27, and this word yet once more. Okay, this is this what I want you to notice here. It says it signifieth or it signals the removing of those things that are shaken. Okay, he's saying that the shaking's coming. 
okay? It's coming for a reason, okay? It's coming to remove the things that it can shake, okay? Now, how many knows that if there's an earthquake today, right here in this town, whatever, uh, that the buildings that are standing that remain withstood the shaking, Okay, you understand that how the, how the building was built, the time and the structure that was placed under it, where it was built, how it was built means a lot if it's going to withstand something like an earthquake, okay? So we can all, you know, get down to just, I mean, I, I don't know what it would be like for the ground to start moving, okay? But that sounds pretty scary to me, okay? But we go, after it's all over and the noise stops and everything stops and we look out, we can see what remains, Okay? Somebody say amen. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Now, so verse 28, it says, wherefore, okay, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. He's saying, look, everything is going to be shaken and everything that's standing is going to be yours. Everything that's standing is going to be the kingdom. The king, you're going to understand that the kingdom that's still standing after all the shaking is a kingdom that's going to last forever. It cannot be moved, okay? He says, look, he, got, got, he put it into plan. He gave the law. The law was scary. It was foreboding. It was, it was, it was a, a dark time in the world. But now Jesus came. He fulfilled all that. And now he's going to, he's going to call everybody unto him. He's calling, him, calling them unto the, the God of gods. He's calling them under the judge of all and the spirits of the just men that are perfect. He's calling everybody together to the mediator of the covenant, which is Jesus. And then he's going to start shaking everything. And when it's shaken, then everything that's fallen down can, be, can fall down. Everything that's going to be removed is removed. What's left is going to be the kingdom. Somebody say amen. You understand what I'm saying? This references a reading in, in Haggai chapter 2. And so I bounced a little bit today, and I bounced back into Haggai chapter 2. And I started to understand that this was, you know, the, the, the Israelites had gone into captivity in Babylon. They, they were gone. They weren't in the land. And, and uh, the, the, the time had come and passed, and Haggai was back in the land. But the time had come where uh, Zerubbabel, was come back and he was the governor. He was the new governor of Israel and he was trying to build some things back up and he built the temple. Okay. Now in Haggai chapter two, verse six, it says, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. Verse seven says, I will shake all nations. I will fill this house with glory. Then he says in verse 21, speak to Zerubbabel governor of Judah saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Verse 22 says, I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of kingdoms of heathen. I will overthrow the chariots and them that ride in them. I will take Zerubbabel, my servant, my son, and will make thee a signet or my signature, for I have chosen him. Now, no matter how bad it looked right at the time, no matter how bad what had ever had been going on, you see, understand that the time that the Babylonians come, okay, things needed to be shaken up. Okay, the, the, the temple, there was ungodly things going on in the temple. You could read all through the minor prophets. They, they speak, if you read through there, it just speaks of time and time after, time after and time after that everybody was not doing right. Everybody was doing what they wanted. Every, the priests were bad. They, they were stealing. The priests were, they were, some of them were doing um, um, uh, uh, pagan rituals in the, in the, in the, in the in the temple. So we have to understand that things needed to be shaken and things were shaken. The Babylonians came in, they destroyed everything. They robbed everything. They took the people away in captivity. But now there's coming another day when, when the Lord says, I'm going to rebuild it. Okay. I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to shake it all again. 
Amen? And then I'm going to establish my glory. Somebody say amen. Now, I will shake everything to show you what remains. Now, if you think about it, if you think about it, um, what good would it be to live in a house that wouldn't withstand the windstorm? What good would it be to uh, have shelter, but, but it was compromised? You see what I'm saying? The Lord says, I'm going to show you by the shaking what exactly you have in your life. Somebody say amen. Shake, 45, 79 in the Greek, it means to rock, to vibrate, sideways, to and fro. I like that, to and fro. I mean, I wonder where that came from. I'm going to have to look that up. To and fro, what does that even mean? To agitate in any direction, cause to tremble. Now, used figuratively, it is to throw into a tremor of fear or concern or to agitate the mind. So, start to understand that shake means things aren't going to be status quo, okay? Now, have you ever tried to build things for a living, fix things, tear things down, and fix them back? So, have you ever tried to nail something that was moving? I mean, if you have somebody holding something for you, you're like, hold it still. I can't hit it. I can't, I can't put the screw. You got to hold it still, okay? And now, working by myself a lot, I've become kind of an expert in clamps. You know, I'll put up a piece of wood, and I'll have to clamp it in a couple spots to hold it because I work by myself. I only have two hands, right? You know, you hold it with your head. You know, you're, you're up on the ladder, and you got the drywall up there, and you're holding it with your head while you put the screw in there, get it ready to go. Okay, that's, you understand how the difficulty. So most of the time when things are built, things are pretty steady, okay? There's no earthquake. Nobody's building anything in any earthquake, right? The earthquake comes later. <laughs> now, stay with me. It says, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. Now, sometimes you don't know the stability of a structure until the rainstorm comes, okay? Sometimes you don't know. Okay, Jesus starts telling this story, and he says, there's these two guys, okay? There's a wise builder and a foolish builder, and the, the wise guy or the foolish guy built his house on the sand, okay? And he says that the wise man built his house on a rock. Now, right off the bat, because I know the story, I know what's what. Because I've built things before, I know what's what. But somebody who didn't, you know, they said, hmm, I wonder who's wise and who's, you know. The structures were okay. They were living in them, right? The structure did what it was supposed to do most of the time, right? I mean, he could come home from work on the sand, up on the sandbar, you know, on the beach or whatever, wherever it was built. And he could walk in. He could sit down with his wife and have dinner. He could go to bed at night, right? But... When the rainstorm came, he was in a lot of trouble. How many ever remember the, the story of the three little pigs? My grandma Christmas, I remember sitting on her lap and she telling me the story. I loved hearing her tell me the story of the three little pigs. And she says, puff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And we would say it together. She would say, blow, we go blow your house down. Okay. Now, how many knows that all of, because of what they chose to build their house with, Okay, what told you the ending of the story, correct? So we see that the winds came and the rains came and, and Jesus said they beat heavily on the house. Okay, but 
the, the, on the, and the one that was building a sand, great was the fall of the house. So we understand that the difference between a good and a bad house, okay, or a wise and a foolish builder is a nice big storm. Correct? I mean, how, I mean, how do you, how do you know a good roofer, you know, until the rain starts, you know, if you say, man, that looks good. That rain, that roof looks good. And you get inside and the rain starts and you're putting pots and pans trying to catch the water that's dripping down in your house. I hate a leaky roof, man, man. I had this spot on my roof here not too long ago and the roof wasn't old. I don't know why it started leaking. I had a gut buddy of mine that was a roofer come over and take a look at it. He says, all I, he said, I tried to fix it the best I could. All I know is whoever put this roof on really didn't know what they were doing. Okay. I was like, oh, that's, thanks. That's reassuring. He said, well, you know, and to save from tearing everything off, I just kind of did this, did this. Well, anyway, it turns out what he did didn't work for long. I had to go up there and I just took a, you know, I went up there and I fixed it myself because I can't stand, how many, you can't stand the leaky, a roof's supposed to keep the water out. Okay. You're not supposed to have water in your house, right? So we understand that the shaking, the storms, the trials are just sent to see what will remain. Correct? Somebody say amen. Now, I watched this documentary. I don't know if you guys like documentaries. I like documentaries. You like documentaries? I like documentaries. And it was about Navy SEAL training. Well, I was going to say SEAL training, but that could mean something else. You could be, you know, throwing fishes to, the, uh, uh, you know, the SEAL. Okay. This is Navy SEAL training. Okay. So, Navy SEALs, if you don't know what they are, they are a most, one of our most elite fighting units in the military. They are uh, they're a, a branch of the Navy, and I'm sure each of the, of the um, uh, military have their own special forces units. But the, this is the Navy's, okay? And these are, this is known to be um, one of the hardest training uh, regimens known in the military, okay? So um, now... To begin, only the best of the best apply to go to SEAL school, okay? And only the best of the best of every of everybody that tries to get in there get to even try, okay? Now, the guy said almost from day one, almost from the minute they stepped off the bus, they're trying to separate. They're trying to see who's got what it takes, okay? Now, uh, says they're looking to separate, you know, with, to apologize to all the ladies, Separate the men from the boys, okay, or the women from the girls. I don't care, however you want to look at it. Looking to separate who's got what it takes uh, versus who doesn't, okay? And they got one guy said, yep, the cream of the crop rises to the top. Okay, I thought, well, that's pretty good little analogy, right? Okay, and he says, and it's, it's amazing to see, he said, a lot of times, uh, being the instructors, they would pick the ones that they thought, you know, they would make little bets among themselves that who, who would make it and who wouldn't, you know, who would be the first one to tap out? Who would be the first one to quit? Who would be the first one to go home, okay? And, and it, it, was kind of, it was kind of cool to watch this, but, but it, 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 they were all just the separation needed to begin. Now, you could take people and set them in a perfect place and you can give them, you know, a nice, warm, dry place and you can give them a test. And see who's the smartest, right? You could. Um, you could take them in the weight room. And you could put them on the weights. And you could see who's the strongest, right? You could take them out on the obstacle course. And you could uh, put, give them some tools and let them climb a mountain or whatever. You could see who has the most endurance, right? 
But when you put all this stuff together, and there was some awful, awful things, and they divided them into teams. So they wanted to see who could be on a team and who was a, basically wanted to be a loner all the time, wanted to go by themselves, who could be a team player. You know? And they put them on these teams, and they would send them out in this freezing cold water, okay? And, you know, it's one thing to be able to do something when you're comfortable, you know? Um, the, one th the one point they, they put them all in the pool, and they wouldn't let them come up for air until they almost drowned them. They were unconscious in the pool, had to be saved. They wanted to see who would stay down there the longest, okay? And you say, well, that's madness. That's crazy. Well, none of us are Navy SEALs either, right? Right? Okay. But they put them out there in these water and these boats and these teams, and they paddle against the, the tide coming in just for nothing. And the instructors are just sitting there watching them. And just leave them out there for a couple of hours, man. They're exhausted. Then bring them in and tell them to put their boat on their shoulders. They had to hold it above their head and run up and down the beach for miles. Okay? And just, you know, whatever pace, but just y'all had to stay together and you had to run up and down the beach. Okay? And they come in and they're all sitting there and they're chattering. Okay? Now let's go to the classroom. So they take them in the classroom. Now, now who can do the best in the test? Your body temperature is so low that you're shaking. You're, you're, you can't even hold the, you know, your teeth are chattering. You're dripping wet. You're sitting there, and a guy's lecturing you, and he's going to give you a test. Now, how? That's concentration, right? So you got to understand that sometimes that, you, know, you can see who's the strongest, who's the smartest. You can see who, who can run the furthest or lift the most weight. You can see who is good guys to work with or whatever under good circumstances. But what about under duress? You know, it's, it's only, I mean, he knows that sometimes you put these guys out in the, in the battlefield. They under, had to understand that battle battlefield conditions aren't always ideal. Right, Brother Corey? Battlefield conditions aren't always the, the ideal place to have a battle, okay? It might be hot. It might be cold. It might be raining. You got to be able to block that out and do what you're supposed to do, right? And they encourage these guys to quit at every time. A guy would be having trouble with one thing, and the guy would be in his ear. You can quit. You can quit anytime you want. Hey, you can quit. There's a bus leaving in an hour. Hey, you can quit anytime you want. Amen? How many of you have ever heard the devil in your ear? You can quit. Those people don't love you anyway. They don't, they don't care. They could care less if you live or die. They've shown you that, right? What are you even doing this for? What, what are you holding on to? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? What, what are you waiting to see? What are, what, are you, what, are you even, what are you even in this place for? Think about it. Why are you here? You should be out having fun. You only get to live once, right? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. Come on, put that up for me, please. This is why. How many knows there's, how many knows that there's a, something to gain? How many knows that you have an immortal soul? You have a soul that's going to be somewhere for eternity? How many knows that there, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, the reality of hell and the reality of punishment that for, for a soul that's not, that's, that's rejected God. How many understand that there's something involved here more than just the here and now there's a principle, there's things that work that have eternal ramifications. Somebody say, amen. Here, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, understand, he says, uh, verses, uh, second Timothy three, one through nine. 
says, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Okay? Perilous. What's perilous mean? Dangerous. Uh, um, times where um, your safety is going to be at risk. Times where it's life or death. There's more involved in it than just whether you want to or not. Somebody say amen. It says, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Wow. You could just stop reading right there, right? Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. Now, verse 6, verse six says, um, but stop for right, right there. I want to say something here. Now, it says turn away right there. Okay, you list all these things, and it says turn away from this. Okay? Now, you don't have to look around very long in your life to find these things, these, all everything that we just read, and it's, it's in your face. Okay? Now, it says turn away from this. What does that even mean? Does that mean have a dialogue with them? See if, you know, you guys can come to an agreement. Does it mean uh, find some common ground? You know, agree to disagree? Okay, that's not what it means. It means to turn away. Now, some of these people might be your friends. Some of these folks might be your family. Some of these might be your spouse. Some of these might be your in-laws or your parents. Some of these might be your children. Okay, but you got your own soul to worry about first, correct? Verse 6 says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses. Now what kind of picture does that give you? Okay? They don't come and knock on the front door, you know, and, and tell their, their intentions right to your face, right? They're, they're coming in the back door. They're creeping into houses, okay? Then lead captive silly women away, lead away, lead captive silly women laden with lust, led away with divers' lusts. Ever learning... And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I've struggled with that right there a lot in my, in my life. I like to learn things. I like, you know, how many knows that the Bible says that much, much knowledge is much sorrow, right? But you're also destroyed from a lack of knowledge, right? People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So where's the balance there? I heard a guy say one time he was preaching, he said, we don't live a life that we, we rarely live a life that's up the standards with our learning. What's he saying there? Why learn it if you're not going to do it? Why, why know the reason if you're not going to put it into practice? You know, if I, if I hire a guy to help me do something, and he knows the right way to do it, but it doesn't do it the right way, what good's that to me? Right? So we got to understand that these there's a, there's a lot of things that we can learn, but a lot of it, it you know, um, is for our own benefit or whatever. There's a lot of things that I've taken up with myself to learn, and, a lot, and I don't regret it all, but at the same time, once you know it, you can't unknow it, right? So the more you know, the more you're responsible for, but if you're not going to do it, this the hotter your hell is going to be. Whew. Yikes. Wow. It's getting quiet. Somebody say amen. Ever learning, never come to get to the knowledge of the truth. Now, 
Now it says, now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Now, who's Janus and Jambres? Now, um, in the Old Testament, it just says they were magicians. They were magicians. Remember when Moses was before Pharaoh, and he held up a staff, and he threw it down. It became a snake, you know, and the, the magician said, well, we can do that, and they threw it down, you know. Well, if you do some study, and some people say that Janus and Jambres, it, it's actually in the book of Jasher, if you've ever read that, that Janus and Jambres were the sons of Balaam. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> But it said, you know, we learn about Balaam later on, but it said they withstood Moses, okay? They were against what Moses was trying to do. They said, so do these also resist the truth. You ever heard somebody that resist, resist everything that you say? No matter what, you know, you could prove it to them. It was true. They resist the truth. Hard men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, okay? Now, if you've ever, um, this is why you, you can't argue, you just can't do it. It's not an intellectual. What we, what we know about the Lord, how many knows that Peter, when he was with Jesus and he said, you know, thou art the Christ, son of the living God, he said flesh and blood didn't give that to you. That was revealed to you by the Father. Blessed are you, okay? If you know the truth, you're blessed. Somebody say amen. If you have the truth in your mind, if you've settled it in your heart, you're a blessed, blessed person. Amen. So it does no good to sit and argue with somebody that doesn't believe what you're trying to tell them because it's a revealed thing anyway. Somebody say amen. But they resist the truth. Now reprobate is number 96 in the Greek. It says, not standing the test, not approved. That which does not prove itself such as it ought, it's unfit for or unapproved, it failed the test. So what we see is a reprobate somebody that knows Okay, somebody, their knowledge has been judged, but they've failed. Okay, then God lets them be what they want to be. Okay. Scary, huh? So the shaking here that we're talking about, you know, it comes in perilous times. You know, how many knows we're living in perilous times? I mean, that's a neat, that's a good way to say it. Perilous times, right? Now, the shaking you're first going to experience as a Christian, how many remember the shaking in your life? <laughs> Somebody say amen. All right. If you remember, read about Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. You know, he's uh, hunting Christians, and he's throwing them in jail, and he's doing, you know, doing uh, all, the, all the things he can to stop the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And how many remember the, word, the, the story? He's riding up along. Now, as he rides, uh, he's getting closer and closer to changing his life, right? How many remember when you were just going full board, just doing what you were doing? You had no idea that you were coming, about to come to where somebody was going to put the brakes on, right? So, so Paul's gone, and he's, you know, he's, he's secure in who he is. He knows what he wants out of life. He's, he's going at it, right? And he's riding. He's right out the front, and all of a sudden, Jesus put the brakes on, right? He knocked him down off the horse, struck him blind, right? And now Paul, who, who wants to be a member of the Sanhedrin, he wants to be a high guy in, in the temple. He wants to be one of the top guys in the law, in the, in the Pharisees, in the priesthood, you know? But all of a sudden, now he's blind. He, now he's not even allowed in the temple he's gone from up here to out there 
Remember, Pastor preached about it a few weeks ago, about the guy, or last Sunday, I guess it was, about the guy that was, or was it last Thursday, about the guy who's at the gate, you know, he helped him up. He wasn't even allowed inside the gate, right? So you understand the change that happened in Paul's life. You can talk to Peter, talk about Peter. Peter was a, a fiery guy. Peter was, Jesus loved Peter. Peter was right there. He was one of the, the top guys for Jesus, right? He's a fiery guy. He was a leader, right? He boasted about how, oh, I love you, Lord. I'll never leave you, Lord. And what the first thing, he was one of the first ones to deny, right? He was one of the first ones to, to tuck his tail and run, right? And, and then he denied him. And then he didn't want anything to do with it. He was going back, go back to fishing. Do you remember that? Okay, so we have to understand that there's shaking that has to occur in our own life on a personal level that has to change us, right? Uh, our personal shaking has to come, and it reveals you, okay? How many knows that that revealed vulnerabilities in you that you didn't even know were there? Amen? How many remember that? Remember, I remember in my life, God knocking out the crutches, man, you know? Surgically, just, just knows just how to cut you. Just, just cut you just right, so you don't have any. You don't have any choice. You don't have anywhere to go. Amen. Uh, I don't care if it's education or money or finances or you think you're smart, intelligence, whatever. You're tough. You're stubborn. You're determined. You know, you're healthy. You're strong. Whatever. But do anyone remember when he was knocking out those crutches out from under you, and you found yourself? So, so deep, so down that you couldn't help yourself if you wanted, wanted to. You remember that? That shaking was there for a reason. That shaking was to show you what remained, right? That shaking in your life showed you what your house was built on, right? Because when, I, when all that stuff happened to me, man, and I found myself at the bottom, I had two choices. Two choices. I could call out to the Lord or I was going to eat a gun, right? That was my two choices. And as, as you go forward and you start to understand, you look back on that and you think, wow, what, what mercy that God had on me to knock those out from under me, for me to see exactly who I was, to show me who I was without him, to show me what exactly I was made of. And I mean, really made of in real life. When, when I had nowhere else to go, I was ready to end it. How strong, big, tough guy, right? Yeah, big, you know, got it all figured out, right? No. I've seen who I am without him. I never want to forget that. The shaking has to come. The shaking is happening all around us in the world. We look around us, our way of life, okay? Uh, democ- it looks like, every, seems like every day there's something else going on with the government, the democracy, the, the, the constitution, the free speech, you know, what's going on? Um, people are losing faith in the government. Um, you see our people pushing to change our economy or the way our economy runs, you know, capitalism versus whatever else they want to put in there. You see um, the financial system and all the great, all the debt that's racking up all this debt and the pressure is, it just seems like it's building and building and things are changing. And I watched the video the other day from the World Economic Forum and they're talking about now that all the countries in the world because of COVID and because of um, his, uh, years and years and decades and decades of operating off of deficits, all the countries in the world that are now bankrupt, basically bankrupt and can't even hardly pay the interest on their loans and how that they're just going to push this great reset where they're going to just forgive all, you're going to forgive all the debt, but all the property is going to go to the central banks. You won't own anything. They say you won't own anything. 
but you'll be happy about it. That's what they said in this video. And they said, if you want to look it up, I encourage you to look it up. It's called The Great Reset. It was from the World Economic Forum. This guy is the, the guy that it's like a think tank that meets every year and, or every couple of years, and they talk about the economies of the world and, and all this stuff. And they're putting forth this idea now. The guy's name is uh, Klaus Schwab. He's a German guy that, that kind of put this all together. But he's saying this is the next step. This, it's going to reorder our whole social structure of our world. There's not going to be anybody that's higher than anybody else. Everybody that's, everybody is going to own everything together. Actually, you're not going to own anything, but you're going to be happy about not owning anything. Look it up. It's interesting. Our social order is changing. Abortion is now the number one killer in the world. Do you know that? Number one killer of, of people in the world. Euthanasia, you know, children, they're, they're pushing abortion, forced abortion for children that, that are going to be born with Down syndrome or, or going to be born with handicaps. They're like pushing these abortions on, on folks um, or not wanting to care for the elderly when they get to a certain point. These are things that are going on in our world. Uh, you know, sexuality and our alternative lifestyles and all the confusion that goes with that. Gender identity confusion, all the confusion that goes with that. Um, attack on the family, you know, man and woman and, and children. Um, and truth, truth's being actively hidden. You know, things are getting rewritten. Um, I was listening to a guy uh, the other day. He was speaking about, he was studying some um, some um, uh, subject, and he said that he had to call when he ordered books. He would get old books. He didn't look on the internet about certain subjects anymore because the ch information had been changed. The information you couldn't be if you go Wikipedia or whatever. All they got to do is go in there and you know take this out, take that out, move it around. He said you can't even get true information. You have to order old books. So he said any books that you order online, order the first printing or the second printing. Order the old book because that's going to have the most truth in it. Somebody say amen. Now, how many knows that they, it is, it's not that hard to just re-edit all the books? I know if, uh, I don't want to you know, speak about denominations, but there, the books on John Wesley and the books on um, D.L. Moody and some of the early preachers of the, 19th, uh, of the, the 18th and 19th century who were Holy Ghost-filled preachers, those books have been edited to where you can't read anything about them believe in, in the Holy Ghost or, or the gifts of the Spirit or anything like that. They've all been edited. That, you can order all the books you want about these guys, but all that's been edited out. So we see this rewriting, this re, uh, restructuring of, 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 of history, rewriting. You know, this didn't really happen like that. Let's, let's put a spin on it. You know, to, to, let's think about it this way instead of that way. You understand, you know, that anybody's ever been fact-checked? And I'm not talking about, you know, you put something on Facebook or you, you share something and you get this little thing that says, oh, we fact-checked you and you're missing context. We got to put it in context for you. We got to tell people what you meant by that. Come on. This is going on. Media 24-7 telling us what we're supposed to believe, telling us what we're supposed to do. Uh, religion, revival, paganism all over the place. How many knows that they don't even hide it anymore? It's not something that that's it's not something that that is is, is it used to be like a quiet thing, a dark thing. Uh, the mystery religions or esoteric practices, things like that, are out in the open now. Rise of the new age practices and the beliefs, and some a lot of them are coming into the church. I mean, you can read uh, you can read all about uh, practices people have in automatic writing and things like that that are happening that are is demonic happening in their church services, and they're happy about this. Then you get syncretism. Syncretism is blending of religions. This is this is this is this is what I was talking about. When you, when you run into all these folks who are trying to ch trying to force or to all these what 
Timothy was, well, Paul's telling Timothy, and he, and he says, from such turn away, okay? Now they got this, what they call, let's just talk about it, okay? Let's have a dialogue. The Pope put out a, a thing here not too long ago where he's going to get all the religions of the world. They're going to dialogue and try to find truth. Now, how do you die? Either something's true or it's not. You don't, di- you don't find truth by dialoguing about it, by, by convincing, by watering down what you believe. And somebody say amen. I know this is hard to listen to. It's hard to listen to, but the shaking is going on. Right now, it's sh- the, all around us, the shaking is going on. There's a guy that's pushing what he calls Chrislam, where he's trying to blend Christianity and Islam, saying that we can live together and we can believe together and we, should, we can worship together. And this stuff's going on, the Eastern religion and meditation and, and yoga and things coming into the church. Now, these, are all, these are all things that are happening right under our nose. There's an active attack on truth, biblical Christianity. It's being attacked on all sides as well as from within. It's time to get up. It's time to get a hold of what you believe. It's time to get a foundation built underneath you that you can rely on. It's time to start to understand. You can't get, uh, somebody needs to open the Bible. Somebody needs to get on their knees and you need to get, get, get in touch with the Lord and say, Lord, you need to open the scriptures to me, Lord. Let me, I want to know what I want to know for myself. The Bible says that when you set, when Daniel set his mind to understand that the angels came with the answers, somebody say amen. And when we set our minds to understand, we start to walk humbly before the Lord and start to ask him, Lord, show me your word. Lord, show me your wisdom. Lord, give me a foundation, Lord, of truth that I know is true that I can stand on. How many knows that we were not going to be blown about anymore? You're not going to be blown about by things, you know. And if you walk humbly before the Lord and you're willing to test everything by the Scripture and you're willing to test everything by the by the doctrine of Christ, you're virtually unfoolable. Somebody say amen. You're virtually, you're bulletproof when it comes to the enemy. Amen. It's Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. It's going to be worth its weight in gold pretty soon. If you know any truth at all, you're going to be the most popular person in your world. I promise you. Isaiah 25, 10 says truth is precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And what does that mean? That means that what you learn today is going to be built on what you learned yesterday. And what you learned yesterday was built on what you learned the day before that. Now, if you've ever built anything, if you start off bad, by the time you get up in the structure, things are going pretty bad. I was, I was talking, working with uh, Ryan Penner. He's a block layer. He's been, he's, he goes to Zanesville Church. Excuse me. He goes to Zanesville Church, and we're talking about bricklaying and how, you know, you got to get the first few rows straight. And, and you know, one, if you get off a little bit, by the time you get out away from your starting point, you're way off. How many knows that you got to stick with truth? If it doesn't come from the word of God, you got to put it out of your, you got to put it out of your life. You got to start to restrict what you take in, restrict what you make a part of your belief system. Somebody say, amen. You got to start to get in the word yourself. You don't get truth on accident. You build it line on line, uh, precept upon precept. Then tomorrow line upon line. Precept upon precept. Understand that, that, that truth is that way. Error is that way too. Error is not on accident. 
errors sent to distract you from some truth. Somebody say amen. Somebody that's going to tell you a lie, if, this, if the devil's going to tell you a lie, it's for a reason. It's to try to keep you, you keep you dumb. How many knows you, if, so, if, you, they can keep, if he can keep you dumb, he can keep you powerless. Somebody say amen. But how many knows that nothing more dangerous than a Christian that knows the scriptures? Amen. There's nothing more dangerous than one that's going to get on their knees and say, Lord, Lord, I'm going to walk humbly today before you, Lord. Show me something I didn't know yesterday. And when you learn two plus two, you equals four, right? And then you learn tomorrow that four plus four equals eight, okay? But you built that on two plus two equals four. Somebody say amen. Send somebody to school. You don't send kindergartners in to learn calculus, right? You learn, you, you learn, kindergartners learn two plus two equals four, okay? But how many knows that I don't care if you're doing uh, kindergarten math or you're doing calculus, two plus two still equals four, correct? There's a lot of people that have all these ideas they're, it's like fairy tales that float around in their mind. And when they read the scriptures, they kind of read their, they kind of read through these, through these things, almost like a lens, almost like glasses that you put on that distorts. You ever, you ever see glasses, you, you put like a, a pair of red glasses on the things that are red now look white. You understand what I'm saying? They read the scriptures through their pre preconceived ideas and these false beliefs that they have in their head. And they're reading these scriptures the wrong way because of that. Error isn't by accident. There needs to be a, a war on falsehood in your life. And what I, what I mean by that, I mean in your life, in your mind, in your home. There has to be, you, you got, you got to, we got to start getting rid of things that just aren't true. Okay? A Christian shouldn't be talking about karma. Okay? That just makes me, it just makes my skin crawl when I hear a Christian talking about karma. Okay? The law of sowing and reaping is the law that's in force. It's not got anything to do with karma. Karma is not even a belief that's even in the word of God. Okay? Somebody say amen. We don't get our, we don't get our uh, daily direction from reading horoscopes. Okay? You don't read horoscopes. You want to come under the control of the enemy? You read your horoscope and then operate your life according to that. Someone say, well, it's just fun. You tell me that that doesn't enter your mind. And, and you, you ever read them? They're vague and they, and they like, you know, you're reading your fortune or whatever. They're like vague, but they, they kind of play you up. And, and this, this person's so proud that they're this sign and they're this person. Oh, you're that sign. You know, we don't get along. And, you know, understand this. These are all things that we need to get out of our lives. Somebody say amen. But there are things that are, we think are harmless you know, there's, there's pagan holiday practices and things like that that come into our life that have no business in the life of a Christian. And I'll just leave that right there. But we need to be, do some digging on our holidays that we, that we celebrate. Somebody say amen. There needs to be war on the false doctrine from our pulpits. Amen. There needs to be, there needs to be a war on false doctrine from our pulpits. If Jesus didn't say it, if, if it is contrary to what he taught, then it isn't true. Okay, now there's people who teach dispensationalism and that, well, this really doesn't have um, to do with me. This has to do with Christians later. This has to do with the Jews after the rapture. This has to do with this group of people and this group of people. I mean, Paul said all scripture is, is, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correct? Somebody say amen. So we got to understand that the word of God is for us. All of the word of God is for us. What Jesus said is for us. Somebody say amen. 
but they, re, they, you know, they get these, they get these ideas that, you know, Paul somehow had a, I heard a guy say one time on a podcast I was listening to, he said, well, Paul obviously had a greater revelation about this than Jesus did. What do we, what did that guy said him? He said it with a straight face. What Jesus say is the servant greater than the master. Isn't that what he said? Okay. So we got to understand everything that Paul wrote. We got to filter that through what Jesus said about it. Somebody say, amen. That's the doctrine of Christ is the beginning and the end of what you, what we need to believe. Somebody say, amen. We need to stop winking at heresy. We need to stop pretending that it just doesn't matter that much. Okay. But folks, baptism is necessary. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is necessary. Okay, this is a natural progression of somebody that's birthed into the kingdom and is growing up into the kingdom. This is a natural progression to the kingdom of the Lord. Somebody say amen. We need to stop condoning these, the heresy. You need to stop pretending, okay, when we talk to certain people that these things aren't important because they are. Come on. Stop agreeing to disagree, okay? Stop it. Separate, okay? If you can't have conversation with that person anymore, then that has to, it just has to be what it is. It, you can't, if you're weak yet in the word, if you're weak, you can't be talking to people that know the word, but are way out in left field. You just can't. Okay. I've been there. I've talked to people who had these, all these crazy beliefs, but they knew their Bible better than me. Okay. So when you start to argue that, you know, you better know what you're saying. Okay. And if not, you need to just step back and step away because they're going to lead you up someplace that's bad. Somebody say, amen. John, John chapter 8, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. How many has been set free by the truth? Amen. Somebody say amen. Now, you read Mark 24, you can read Matthew 13, and you can read Luke 21. Now, that's homework for you this week. And I want you guys to go, and I want you to read these three chapters. It's three chapters. And I want you to compare what Jesus is saying here with what you hear preachers say. And I'm going to leave it right there. You guys, compare what Jesus is saying here with what you hear preachers say. And when you, when you say Jesus is speaking of the end times, okay, this is Jesus speaking of the end times. This isn't uh, Hal Lindsey or your favorite prophecy teacher or a professor at the cemetery, I mean the seminary, right? We're talking about Jesus speaking, okay? He said, and everyone needs to go and read it, okay? Now, a couple things I want to point out here, and I want to point out, point you out a couple things. Remember, we're talking about shaking, okay? There's something coming. It's going to be shaking the world. It's going to be shaking what you think you know. It's going to be shaking everything around you. It's going to be shaking everything you are. It's going to be shaking everything we're supposed to be, right? It's going to be shaking everything that's going on, every idea, every building that's ever been built, every idea, every structure, every, every, every society, every organization. It's going to be shaken. It's going to be shaken, okay? Now, he says, one of the first things he says there in that reading in Matthew, and I want you to read these on your own. I'm not going to go and read word for word. It says, take ye, no man deceive you. Now, you're going to be delivered to be afflicted, you're going to be killed, and you're going to be hated by all nations. Jesus says this, okay? Now, if one is deceived, they're going to be shaken, and they're not going to remain. So he's saying, be careful, be not 
deceived. Now, these people knew the truth, but became deceived. Okay, one that is deceived had opportunity to find the truth. Somebody say amen. But they didn't, and now they're, they're, they're shaken. They're not going to remain. Now, he says, goes on, he says, many shall be offended. Okay, if you're offended, and, they, and you shall betray, and they'll betray one another, and they'll hate one another. If you're offended, you're shaken, and you're not going to be, you're not going to remain. Okay, you say, well, you know, I know, I just got my feelings hurt. You need to take it to the Lord. Okay, you need to take it to the Lord. Okay, go to the pastor, get things fixed, have a conference, whatever you got to do. But you can't stay offended. If you're offended, you're going to be shaken. If you're shaken, you're not going to remain. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about the, the shaking and the shaken. Just because you're, things are being shaken doesn't mean you have to be shaken. Somebody understand what I'm saying? Now, he says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, what's that saying? It says, they once had love, okay? They once loved the Lord. They once were doing right. But because iniquity all around them, there's sin all around them. How many remember read about Lot? It says his righteous soul was vexed because of what, was, what he was living around in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? Okay, just because you got it all around you doesn't mean that you need to be shaken. Okay, but if your love waxes cold, you're shaken. You're not going to remain. Somebody say amen. Psalms 1-3 says, he's like a tree planted by the water. How many remember that song? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water. I shall not be moved. This is a declaration. He's saying, look, I'm not moving. Okay, I'm not like a tree that's planted by the water. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to remain. Somebody say amen. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Amen. It doesn't say he that endureth two days before the end. It doesn't say that he had a couple of good years in there, but, you know, he kind of faded. It got, got nothing to do with being saved. You endure to the end to be saved. Somebody say amen. Luke 21, verse 26, he says, men's hearts failing them for fear. We're looking at things which are coming on the earth. This describes somebody that's shaken, right? We're going to get back to fear here in a second. But it says the powers of heaven will be shaken. Everything, everything that can be shaken, heaven and earth is going to be shaken. Amen? It says, take heed to yourselves, lest any time in your hearts be overcharged or weighed down with surfeit, surfeity, which is carousing, and darkness and cares of this life, okay, so that the day comes upon you unawares. Jesus is warning you again. Uh, don't get too too weighed down with what's going on around you, okay. Don't be don't be uh, carousing and out you know hanging out with the people that have no interest in being where you where you want to go. Somebody say Amen. It says and and the cares of this life, okay. He said don't be weighed down. By the cares of this life so much that the day catches you unaware. Amen. Because then what, you, what are you then? You're shaken. You're not going to remain. Somebody say amen. Somebody, you, see what I'm, you see what I'm trying to point out to you? That there is a difference. Okay. You can be shook and remain. 
Somebody say amen. How many, how many knows that you can, be, uh, you can be a pillar? You can be somebody that's rooted and grounded in the word of God. You could be somebody, you could be somebody that somebody can reach to to help them stay and, and be, not be shaken. Somebody say amen. Revelations 21.8 talks about fear. And I was just going to read the first line. It says, the fearful and unbelieving. It's talking about the whole list of folks that are not going to be saved. But the first one they mentioned is fearful and unbelieving. How many knows if you have fear, you don't believe what Jesus, what the word of God has said? You just don't believe it. That's why it's together. It's you're, if, if you're fearful, you're unbelieving. Somebody say amen. If you have worry in your life that disrupts your spiritual life, you don't believe. You, you got you got it. I remember reading that that spot. Uh, I can't remember if it was the uh, man who was, uh, had Jesus pray for his daughter. He said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Remember him saying that? How many knows that we can believe, but we can have unbelief all at the same time? We can believe for other folks, but when it comes to us receiving what we need, we may not believe, we may not be willing to put all our eggs in that basket. See what I'm saying? He says, the fearful and the unbelieving will not be in heaven. They won't, they're not going to be saved. It's the first thing that's listed there. If you're a coward, you're not going to go. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get too deep in, in the, the COVID thing, but the COVID showed a lot of fear in a lot of people. Somebody say amen. Now, I'm not condemning anybody. Okay, when it first came out, nobody knew what was going on. Okay, I'm not condemning any, any, any uh, decisions that were made or anything, but I think from this situation, we better have learned. We better have learned some valuable lessons about fear, about how quick people were shut down, I mean, how quick, they didn't even really even have to try, okay? Churches closed like that. No problem, okay? Uh, things just went down to nothing. People stayed in their house. Just like that, right? One day it was fine, the next day it was not. Somebody say amen. So we have to understand. Now, granted, this was uncharted territory, okay? Nobody ever come to us. Now, I worked in the hospitals when swine flu was going on, and it was bad. But nobody really worried about it like this. Right? We had nine, one time we had nine people die in one unit in one night in 24 hour period. And nobody, nobody was wearing masks. Nobody was, you know, worried about, you know, social distancing and all that. Right? So we got to understand what's, we got to understand what's at play here. And I'm not saying there's wasn't the virus. And I'm not saying that there's too many people that, that we've heard about preachers and things that have gotten sick and died. Right? So we got to understand that there really is a virus and there really, it really does hurt some people who are at risk. But there's also the, the, the information now that it doesn't affect a lot of people all that much. Kids being some of them, right? So we got to understand that going forward from this place, now we, we didn't know going in, but going forward from here, we better have learned some lessons. The Hebrews 25 says, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together, Okay. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. It's encouraging one another, preaching. I mean, we've got to be together, right? I need you. You need me, like it or not. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, you need me. Okay, iron sharpens iron. Okay, we need each other. We need each other's, uh, uh, when I'm down, you're up. When you're down, I'm up. I might have a encouraging word for you. You might have an encouraging word for me. We need each other, correct? So if we're not together, you know, and it says here, uh, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Okay, it doesn't say unless there's COVID, right? So we got to understand that whatever happens going forward, I don't know. I don't have a, 
I don't know the future. But going forward, we better have some ideas about how far we're willing to go, forsaking the word of the Lord for the for what the government wants us to do. Somebody say amen. We gotta have a we gotta have something in our mind. We gotta have learned a little bit of something, or else we're gonna be shaken. Okay, we're not gonna be we're not gonna remain. Somebody say amen. If you if you wonder if the government can shut you down, do some homework. Do some, uh, study the Acts of Uniformity in England in the 1600s. There was Puritan preachers, and uh, they were preaching the gospel. They were preaching uh, Holy Ghost fire, okay? And the Church of England said, we're going to pass in Parliament uh, this acts of uniformity. We want all of our churches in this country, no matter the denomination, to be uniform. So you're going to have to use this prayer book for, your, uh, you know, for, for what you want to do. And there were several steps in it. And on one Sunday, 2,000 preachers left their pulpits, left, walked out, and walked away from their assemblies. Now what happened? They went out in the country, and the people came to them. And then they passed the five-mile act. You weren't allowed within five miles of your old church. <laughs> it went step by step by step by step. And you think they can't do it? Hmm. We'll see. It's prophesied. Come on. We'll see. We might be meeting in my basement, you know, or pastor's yard or um, Danny's front porch or we might be at, you know, Brother Charlie's house, you know. I don't know. Might be at Trent's. But we got to stay together. We got to we got to learn from this. We got to understand going forward. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Not a very rah-rah message, I understand. But something that we need to hear. Something that we need to hear. If we don't stand... If we don't, if we don't get a good foundation, we're going to be shaken with the shaking. And we're not going to remain. Stand with me if you will. I just want to read some, read some of these verses again. I want you to close your eyes and listen. I want you to understand. It says, verse 25, Hebrews 12, 25 says, see that you, you're, see that you refuse him not that speaketh. For if they escape not, who refused him that spake on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Ye once more, yea, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. It says, And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of things that are shaken, as of things which are made, that those things which may not be shaken shall remain. And I, I pray that we not become those things which are shaken. That we stand, we get the firm foundation under us. And there's a lot of things that are going on all around. We could have spent all night talking about some of these things. But you gotta understand going forward, we need the truth. Somebody say amen. We need the truth. The altars are open if you need to pray. Let's not be shaken, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.